So what is going on with Palantir? In this video, I'm going to talk about the latest earnings report, and then we'll jump into a 4M analysis. We'll look at the margin of safety within ticker, and then we'll look at the meaning, moat, and management. And then I'll talk about what I plan on doing with the stock moving forward. Full disclosure, I'm a long-term investor in Palantir. Let's dive in. So let's quickly highlight the journey of this stock. So Palantir went public in September of 2020 at around $9 a share. A few months later, it went up to $35. And since then, it's been on this slow decline ever since. And with the economy the way it is, especially with this bear market, especially tech stocks, Palantir has really uh, not been a great performer. In fact, the latest earnings report caused it to go under $10. I think today it's somewhere around like seven, $7.80 or something like that. Um, but overall, let's, let's dive into what's going on with this stock. So we're going to talk about the good news in the earnings report and then the bad news. So good news is total revenue grew by 31%, which is great. Commercial revenue, um, they have really two segments they focus on, commercial, in other words, businesses, and then government contracts. So with the commercial segment, they increased revenue year over year by 54%. Within the US, commercial revenue increased by 136%. That's awesome. Um, the issue is on the government side, it only increased by 16%, not nearly as high, but the customer count did increase by 86%. So let's talk about the negative here. With every earnings report that comes out that's every quarter, there are two numbers that analysts and institutions are looking at that are two key variables. There's numerous others, but the two that stand out the most would be EPS and revenue. So in this case, revenue did beat expectations just by a little bit, like by 0.64%. So it's, it's not huge, but it still beat expectations. But the miss was EPS was expected at four cents and it came in at two cents. So the stock went, it was just north of uh, 10 bucks and it went under $10 a share. So let's continue diving into some of the news here, especially with what others have to say. I'm going to kind of piggyback off a YouTuber. His name is uh, Sasha Yenshin. He had some really good comments on this latest earnings report and Palantir. Um, a few of them align with, a few I do not, but let's just start with the items I do not agree with. So first off, he talked about there's a negative sign that government revenue is declining. And I'm okay with that. The reason is when you look at government institutions and how many businesses there are, there are not nearly as many government institutions you can serve. It's just the logic makes sense. There's there's tons of enterprise businesses, big businesses, and there's a lot of uh, small and mid-sized businesses, which Palantir hasn't tapped in yet, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. But with the, the enterprise side, it's, it's an open field. They can serve a lot more. So that's where that growth opportunity sits. That's where you and I should be focusing on this stock if we're investing in this business. The government side... I think that's nice to have, but that's not the long-term focus. With government contracts and businesses that um, I've been aware of that have worked with the government, is you're typically not signing a government contract for like a year or two. These are really long relationships. The government does a lot of homework up front, usually over the span of um, almost a year or more, to really determine if your business is the right fit. And then they engage in a relationship in a, in a contract that can be over a decade long. Not always, but 
I've seen this happen in many cases. So that's great. These are going to be long-term clients. That's the goal. But the focus, of course, is on the enterprise side. So I do have to disagree. I don't think that's a negative thing that the government revenue is slowing down. I'm completely okay with that. I like to see that enterprise, that commercial increasing. Now, another thing um, I'd like to talk about here that I do agree with, and I just want to expand upon a little bit, is when Palantir or really any enterprise business starts working with somebody, is you're not going to sell that um, that $500,000 or million dollar contract right away. What you do is like a try before you buy situation. You run like a pilot. And that means like in Palantir's case, you work with a client and your first year contract might be like $100,000 or less. And the idea there is to get that customer warmed up to your platform and just aware of what it can do, like the full power, its full potential. And that's when year two comes around is when you start selling. Now, the problem is in that first year, you have really high expenses with their sales. And this is one reason why that that EPS was a miss is they're hiring a lot of salespeople. There's a lot of labor. Salespeople are typically pretty expensive. You have their their uh, their base salary, and then there's usually commission or bonus on top of that, um, rightfully so. In this case, yeah, there's a lot of upfront expense, and you start making those profits on customers in year two and after. So it's a little slower, but after you get a few customers, the momentum really increases from there. I've seen this with other enterprise platforms like AWS, um, Microsoft's Azure, Adobe has the AEM tool. Um, I've worked in software engineering for about 15 years and I've, I've done a lot of work on the enterprise side implementing these large projects. And yes, it's a, it, it's not as lucrative that first year, but I've seen contracts that we're talking multi-million dollar contracts per year after that first year. And that's a big deal. So it's a patient process in the enterprise world. But when the momentum really gets going, it's uh, it's well worth it. This is one reason why I have multiple enterprise software platforms in my portfolio. Fortinet cybersecurity is one. Um, I like Palantir. I've got Paylocity, which is um, HR, payroll, all that kind of stuff. Of course, Microsoft is in there, which has Azure as well. But anyway, um, back to Palantir. So let's talk about a few points that I really agree with, which is in the earnings report, Alex talked about profiting off world conflicts like Russia and Ukraine. I don't think that's anything to boast about or really even talk about like if there are conflicts in the world don't mention that you can make a profit on it i don't think that's um that's worthy of even mentioning you should be placing your focus on the the commercial side how can you help businesses run more efficiently and that's essentially what palantir does it's data analytics they use the data in businesses and believe me working in big business for many years there's a lot of wasted time a lot of wasted meetings, wasted emails, and a lot of inefficiencies with marketing, sales, and operations. Where Palantir can help is automate things, remove steps in the process. It's, in my opinion, this is a big deal for the future. They're they're a big necessity. But to talk about like, yeah, if there's a conflict, we're gonna we're gonna make money and then make you money. We don't want to hear it. So Sasha, I agree with you. Um, I thought Alex Carp's comments in the earnings report that was. That was poor taste. I still respect what Alex has done. I, I respect what his leadership team has done, but I do not want to hear anything about you know world conflicts, tensions in the world, and how 
we as shareholders are going to make money on that. That does not motivate me to be a shareholder, I'll be honest. And I know there's a lot of people that agree with that. Another thing that I thought was in poor taste was Alex saying how good they were. And he said it many times, like, we, we're very good at this. We're very good at that. That's the last thing I would be doing, especially if my share price was at an all-time high of 35 and now it's less than $10. My responsibility as CEO, if I were in that earnings call, would be to explain why this is happening and what I'm doing about it to, and, and what my team is really doing about it to improve. We won't be talking about those world conflicts, but we would own what's going on and try to give some peace of mind on the exact actions we're taking. Like, what are you doing with the enterprise side? Um, this is what I'd also like to hear is how are you going to serve the small and mid-sized business market, those SMBs, because that's a huge market too. Maybe you can come up with like a light version of your enterprise platform um, that can serve that market. That's a little lower touch, maybe takes less time to onboard a customer instead of like, you know, six, nine, 12 months or longer. Maybe it's like, you know, 30 days, 60 days, something like that, maybe a lower price point. So I would be looking at things like that. Um, I look at like the latest Netflix earnings call they talked about. Yeah, they had a miss, but what are they doing about it? They went from one revenue stream to four. That's what shareholders want to see. That's the positive action we want to see. Palantir, we didn't really hear that. They kept talking about how good they were in that. That again was poor taste. So let's dive into the four M's here and then I'll talk about what I'm doing with Palantir. So with the first M, let's just take a look here at my screen real quick. Within ticker, you can see this stock is still on sale. Now for a stock that's a little less than two years in the public market, you know, more like a year and a half, this is pretty good. Most stocks that IPO go public, they're looking to raise funds, which means their financials are pretty weak. They're usually gonna be overpriced. So Palantir already is off to a good start. Um, they're on sale, a score of 12 out of 20 right now with our scoring system, um, which is pretty good. You want to be north of 10. So 12 out of 20 is still good. And then the margin of safety is 80%. You know, right now, I think in ticker, it's, it's saying $7.55 and the sticker price is 37, which means that's the intrinsic value, the fair value where it should be today, which I very much agree with. So the financials are looking pretty good, but let's dive into the meaning of the business. This is where I, I spend a lot of time and this is what motivated me from the beginning. So this goes back to my comments on data analytics. So data is a big deal. More businesses need data to just be smarter, to get ahead of competition, to run more efficient. And this is where companies like Palantir can really thrive. They're also enterprise sale or enterprise software, which of course, as I, I made some great comments earlier, is this is really sticky. People are not trying something out for like a week or two. They're committing to multi-year contracts that can be hundreds of thousands of dollars and up to millions of dollars per year for just one customer. I love enterprise SaaS. It's a great place to be, like I mentioned. I've got a few enterprise SaaS businesses in my portfolio. So that really motivated me. So the meaning really checks out. Um, to go back, the margin of safety really checks out. So we got those two boxes checked. With the competition, we just want to take a quick look here. I'm going to list a few of these. Um, you've got Alteryx, Snowflake, Datadog, Splunk is another one. Um, and looking at Alteryx and Snowflake, and Datadog, these are all good businesses and I feel they can all thrive in this market. It's kind of like I have a few fintech stocks in my portfolio, like um, 
PayPal and Square, they can all thrive. There's plenty of business for everybody. And I think the same for these businesses. The thing that, or the business that has done a really good job, I have to say, is Datadog. They do serve the, they have enterprise customers and that small and mid-sized business market. And that's a great place to be. When you have a, a platform that can serve, like let's say you've got a company with several different platforms within under its umbrella, that's a really healthy business model. You can you can serve a lot more customers. There's a lot more room to grow. So with Palantir, they're only serving really that, that enterprise market. Of course, there's government markets. I'd really like to see as that business matures, they introduce some kind of SMB focused product. I think that'd be a great way to get people using the tool, using its power, and then maybe upselling them to something that's a little higher end. So that's what I would do at least. I want to also address this. There's this debate whether Palantir is a consulting company or a software company. So let's just set the record straight. Consulting companies don't have a bolt-on product. They're really they're really selling to generate revenue within the business model. For example, I've done a lot of work with Accenture and Deloitte are two really, they're solid management consulting companies. Um, they're straight up consulting though. They're not providing a service and a software product. So you're making money on both. With Palantir, they have what's called, and you see this within enterprise software, they call it ProServe, professional service. And it's the, it's the onboarding, it's all the work up front, and then it's the ongoing support that you have with that tool. It's just, it's a bolt-on service to the software. And that's important because when you start working with these salespeople that are, you know, the, the salespeople of like a, like a large enterprise platform, you know, the best in class, they're just real people. They're down to earth. They're nice. They want to come in. They want to provide awesome customer service. And they take you out to dinner, go out for golf, whatever. And the best in class, they they just do that. Like, they treat people with respect. They're not corporate-y. They're really there along the way. And when you have people like that serving that customer, that large entity, the stickiness increases even more. In other words, if you were to take that salesperson out of the equation and only use a software, sure, it can be a great product, but the stickiness isn't quite there. So Palantir is doing a really good job of building those relationships. They get those salespeople engaged. They probably got a whole team interwoven with the team the customer there and they're taking care of them they're there to ask questions improve the tool just make it better over time and that's a big win that creates that stickiness that scalability that we're starting to see with palantir so we know that whoever's their uh, cro their chief revenue officers is really leading a really solid team so with the moat, in this case, I do check the box that the moat checks out as well. I think, yes, there's a few competitors in this space, but Palantir is, is doing a pretty good job. I think they have a sophisticated product, and I think they have a lot of opportunity to grow in this market. So that's that box checks. The last M in the equation of the four M's is management. So Alex Karp, as I mentioned, is the CEO. I think he's done a great job since the 
company really started in 2003. Peter Thiel's a co-founder. If you don't know him, he was the first investor in Facebook. He also has a venture capital firm that um, has invested in a lot of other businesses. I think Tesla's on that list. And then his early days, he he started uh, PayPal. So him and Elon Musk were involved in, in that organization in the late 90s, early 2000s. So he has a really nice winning track record. He's invested in a lot of businesses that have done very well. And that's another thing that motivated me to really turn my attention to Palantir in the beginning is, hey, you've got a solid management team here. You know, you get the right right people leading the organization. Of course, Peter Thiel's not involved with day-to-day operations, but he's on the board and he's heavily influential. So with this, I do say all four M's check out, but here's what I'm doing. I've been heavily investing into the stock through 2021. And what I'm doing now is I'm still investing a little, but I have a focus portfolio of about 10 stocks. And I need to turn my attention to some of the other stocks because they're all pretty much beaten down. They're all tech stocks. So I'm slowing down Palantir and I'm starting to go into like, I've got, you know, Microsoft long-term hold there, Google, um, you got PayPal, Apple, AMD. There's a few others as well. Fortinet, um, Paylocity. So I'm starting to kind of diversify my investments there. Still long-term holder of Palantir, but I think Alex, if I were you, I'd kind of pull back on the the comments around, you know, benefiting or, or profiting from a conflicts in the world. And let's really focus on that commercial side, both enterprise and let's see what you got. If there's anything out there SMB related, that would be really awesome to see you guys jump into that market. All right. Hopefully this video helps. We'll talk soon.